We're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And we just want to take a moment to prepare our hearts and our minds for God's Word by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture will be from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can hear God's Word read aloud from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. La escritura va a ser del libro de Romanos, capítulo 1, versículos 16 al 17. Romans 1, 16 to 17. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the word of God. Romans 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your precious, precious word, God. The word that has the power to save, the word that has the power, Lord, to make new and to transform. And Lord, we just pray that today you would help us, God, to commit, to be in covenant, Lord, with, with, you, with you, God. The covenantal God, the one who, who deals with us, God, even in our messiness, Lord. You continue to be faithful. And Lord, I just pray that today, God, you would speak to us in a way, Lord, that is, that is clear, in a way that is direct, in a way that is fresh this morning, God. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and glory, and we lift these things up to you in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. At Imago Church, we are people who are created in the image of God. That's actually what Imago means. And really God has formed this community as a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships. Through restored relationships with God and with each other. And really the driving theme that we have together here as a church community is that our identity is in the image of God and our purpose is in the image of Christ. As a church community, we're going to be entering into a new season in 2021. A season that we are calling Disciple Shift, where we're making, a di we're we're making a discipleship the center of what it means to be on mission together here at Imago Church. And in, in fact, in February, we're going to be in this sermon series together where it's going to be based on this common goal that we have together as a church community. We're all moving forward in 2021 with this disciple shift, with going back to basics, with keeping the main thing the main thing, and with keeping first things first. So what does it mean to follow Jesus with a renewed passion? That's really what we're going to be looking at through the spring. 
following Jesus with a renewed passion, with a renewed commitment, and with a renewed level of dedication. Discipleship is something that we all take part in, whether we know it or not. Because discipleship is actually each person's relationship and journey with Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him, and we follow him, and when we follow him, we're going to experience different stages of discipleship. Stage one is really that uh, connecting stage. Many of us have experienced this before, this first stage of discipleship where we connect with God through relationship, through transformation, and where we start to develop a responsiveness to the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. Stage two is a very important stage as well. That's growing in maturity. In fact, many Christians can be in churches for years and years and stay stuck or stagnant in stage one of just connecting with God and knowing about God. But then stage two is another necessary step in discipleship. It's where we grow, where we mature. We are called to follow Jesus and to grow on this journey. This is where we begin to live authentically, where we live gospel-centered lives, and where we express that in our relationships and in our involvement with the people of God, with the church. So that's stage two of discipleship. That's growth and maturity. Then stage three is serving. A part of our discipleship is learning to serve. Serving others joyfully and out of a heart of gratitude for God. Not because we have to do something, but we get to do something. We get to build up the kingdom of God together. And then the fourth stage of discipleship is multiplying multiplying, where we get to embrace our each God-given gift. Every one of us has a God-given gift. You can embrace your God-given gift, your God-given shape, and your spiritual gifts, using them for God's glory as you make and multiply disciples. So again, the four stages of discipleship are stage one, connecting, stage two, is maturing and growing. Stage three is serving and stage four is multiplying. In order to make or multiply disciples, then guess what? You need to be a disciple. You can only multiply who you are. You do not multiply what you say. You do not multiply what you think or what your good intentions are. You multiply who you are. That goes for me as well. That's why Jesus himself says it so well, so clearly in the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 and speaking about those that will be known, those that follow him, those that are his disciples. Jesus says this in Matthew 7 20. He says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. And you will know them by their fruit. Not by the good intentions, not by the good words, not by the behavior management. You will know them by their fruit. 
So beginning today and through the spring of 2021, we're going to be focusing on digging deep into discipleship, digging deep into our relationship with Jesus, going deeper with him and with each other. So together as a church, we're actively making this disciple shift. We're taking this turn toward discipleship. At Imago Church, we've said this before, we are a gospel-centered, a Jesus-centered community. That means that we're gathered around a living and personal Lord that calls us to follow Him. A living and personal Lord that calls us to follow Him here and now. So that's the journey we're going uh, through together in 2021. We're going to be making this discipleship because Jesus calls us to follow him, not just to be called Christians. That's not the end goal that Jesus has in mind, but Jesus calls us to be Christ-like. Not just to be called Christians, but to be Christ-like. And to bear fruit. At Imago Church, we're going to be doing blended ministry throughout the spring. In person, I'm so grateful for those that are here right now in the sanctuary. We've got a few people here. I'm grateful for those at home live streaming as well, because together we're moving forward in blended ministry throughout the spring, in person with protocols and live stream on Sundays and on Tuesdays. And of course, just because the nature of a pandemic, all events are subject to, to change due to unforeseen circumstances, but we continue to press on and move forward. We are hindered, but we are not stopped. We continue and we press on following Jesus in this season. Because no matter which season we're in, we are called to be witnesses be disciples who make disciples to be reflectors of Jesus in our lives, in our words, and in our actions. In 2021, we're proactively making this discipleship. Jesus calls us to follow him actively here and now. At Imago Church, we exist to be disciples who make disciples and in fact, even as I discerned the call several years ago to plant Imago Church, that was really the end goal, to be a church who makes disciples that make disciples. That is the end goal. The end goal of the church is not just to have, you know, a nice routine or a Christian social club or, you know, nice Christianese words or whatever it may be or some kind of subculture. No, that's not the point. If we think that's it, we're missing it, and that's okay. We can make that discipleship together here today. The end goal of the church, the end goal of this church is this, and I want you to hear it very clearly. We exist to cultivate mature disciples who reflect Christ in their lives, in their words, and in their actions. Imago Church exists to cultivate mature disciples who reflect Jesus Christ in their lives, words, and actions. On Sundays, we worship through praise and we fellowship together, and that is absolutely essential. We're going to keep doing that. But let's remember, 
that Sunday is truly a celebration of all that God has been up to in our lives from Monday through Saturday. Following him Monday through Saturday, that is our discipleship. That is our journey with Jesus. We are the family of God. We carry on the mission of Jesus in season and out of season. As witnesses of God's good news, this good news that is referred to as the gospel, the evangelion in the original language, we are a sent community empowered by the Holy Spirit to reflect the kingdom of God. So we're reflectors of the kingdom of God. That means that when we belong to the kingdom of God, we have a new address. Our address is no longer just in California or the United States or the Central Valley, but our new address is in the kingdom of God in Christ when we abide in Him. God proclaims His love in action in the person and work of Jesus Christ that those who would believe in Him would have a new life with God, a new life that begins here and now. Even here in this moment, whether you're here in person or at home, let's remember that God is active, that God is in this place. He is drawing near to you. And in fact, this moment right now, this is a moment in eternity. The new life that Jesus invites us into when he calls us to follow him, it's a life that's not just meant to be lived alone, but it's meant to be lived in community. And that community is called the church, the family of God. That's you and that's me, regardless of whether it's a newer church or older church, a bigger church, a smaller church, whether we're in person or live streamed, we are the church, the family of God, the spiritual body, the presence of Christ here and now. And in fact, the task and the calling of the church is to stand in the gap, to stand in the middle between the divine reality of God and human life. As God's people, we stand in the space between. In the the space between the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. In the passage we read this morning, Romans talks about This exciting adventure of discipleship, this exciting journey and and beautiful ministry of standing in the space between, standing in the gap between God's reality and ordinary human reality. This is the mission and the message of the church. We witness to what God has done in Jesus And this word, this gospel that Romans talks about here, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. God has taken an action to save all humankind and all of creation. And in fact, scriptures really provide language for this. In the book of Psalms, we see scriptures really not even being able to contain themselves, saying words like, come and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we witness to, the good news of God to save and restore all of creation and all of humanity. 
At Imago Church, we are a community gathered in worship together in order that we may be sent as witnesses to this gospel, to this good news. That we may be disciples who make disciples. Just to be clear, when we are making this discipleship, when we keep the gospel at the center, that means that we have to come to understand that we ourselves are not the story. We're other-centered. We're on mission with God. We don't exist just for ourselves. We don't exist for our own programs or for me and mine. We are witnesses of an eternal story. So whether you're home or in person, I just want you to remember that this morning. We are called for more. We are witnesses of an eternal story. And we proclaim God's salvation for all of humanity in Christ Jesus. In the passage we read here in the book of Romans, we, we see just this, this bold claim that the gospel is the power to save. Romans takes us back to basics and leads us to make this discipleship together. Just a little bit of background on Romans because in March we're going to be going through uh, chapter 7 to 16 and finishing the book of Romans uh, together before Easter. But just a little reminder, refresher, and background on Romans. Romans was written by a man named Paul. And really the, the impact of Paul is so, so important. It cannot be overstated, really. Paul was born on or approximately the year 5 A.D., so he was alive while Jesus was on earth, just a few years younger than Jesus. He was probably in his late 20s when Jesus died and rose again. And then he was in his early 30s when he had this encounter, this conversion experience on the road to Damascus that we read about in the book of Acts in chapter 9. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. In fact, the oldest manuscript we have of the New Testament is a letter uh, called First Thessalonians, and that was written by Paul. The role that Paul played in the spread of the gospel, again, cannot be overstated. He was a missionary, and he took the gospel to different parts of the world, and he wrote letters to some of the earliest churches. In fact, uh, maybe a year or two ago, we did a teaching series called Multipliers, where we taught through Paul's missionary journeys in the book of Acts from chapter 20 to 28. And the book that we're going to be studying together in the spring and completing in March is called Romans. And it's called Romans because it was written to Christians in Rome. So go figure, huh? If it was written to us here in Visalia, perhaps Paul's letter would have been called Visalians or Californians or Americans. Just imagine that. But just a little bit of background on Romans and why Paul wrote it. Paul wrote Romans most likely from a place called Corinth on his third missionary journey in the year 57. We see this journey in Acts 20. Paul had completed his work in the eastern part of the Roman Empire and he was hoping to travel back to Rome and then on to Spain. These were all real places and real people that existed Paul then entrusted an early church leader by the name of Phoebe to deliver the letter to the Christians in Rome. We read about that in chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. 
And Phoebe was likely the person who brought the letter to Rome and read the letter out loud to the Roman Christians. Wow, I just love little details like that. I'm a huge Bible nerd, obviously, right? A pastor and a preacher. But we can do a whole other sermon series on that. I'm so grateful that God raises up both women like Phoebe and men like Paul for his purposes. The main theme of Romans is the gospel, the power of God, the good news of God. So Romans talks about what the gospel is and really what the proclamation, the application of the gospel and goes so deep as into what the heart of the gospel is. And really calls us to a renewed commitment to the gospel. In Romans, Paul focuses a lot on understanding both God's judgment and God's saving grace. Through righteousness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Jesus, God both judges sin and yet at the same time, the cross is the power of God on display for the world to see. And the cross is the judgment of God as well as the saving grace and the mercy of God all wrapped into one. So in order to really understand the cross, to understand the gospel, it really takes a couple of ingredients, right? Us, messy humanity. And on the other hand, the beautiful mystery of God's mercy all tangled together. That's the gospel. So how about for you? If someone, again, our calling is to be disciples who make disciples. If someone were to just ask you point blank, and it's probably going to happen as you continue to follow Jesus and seek opportunities to share with others and to pass on and multiply our faith. If someone asks you point blank, what is the gospel? How would you answer them? What is the gospel? What is salvation? What is it that you even believe? Romans 1.16 here gives us a good place to start. Romans 1.16 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what is the gospel? Let's break it down here. The gospel is called the good news of God, the power of God. And it is particularly good news concerning our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. The gospel is God's good news regarding our salvation and our restoration. So to put it very simply, the gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. Gospel means that God has restored something precious that has been broken. God Himself has come into our story to rescue and renew and restore all of us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible and the book of Romans, which we're reading this morning, tells the story of the gospel. 
And you and I, because of the power of the gospel, we get to be a part of God's family. That's the church. We've been rescued and renewed by the gospel. So that's one very basic question, right? What is the gospel? A follow-up question that someone may ask you, especially if you engage these conversations, ask God for the opportunities. He'll give them to you. I've had hundreds of opportunities to engage in these kinds of conversations, and I pray that God would lead you in them as well. A follow-up, very common question someone may ask is just simply this. Why do we need salvation? Why do we need rescuing? Why does creation, which includes human beings, you and me, why do we need to be saved? Well, the answer is this. We need to be saved. We need rescuing because of sin. Sin is what separates us from God and from each other. Now, God is not just focused on our particular sin, but sin is what has broken our relationship with Him, and sin is what has messed up our true identity that can only be found in Him. Sin is making everything about me and mine. Sin is living life my way for my fame, for my glory, instead of living God's way for God's glory. Sin is essentially disorder. It's getting things twisted. Romans 1.25 tells us one of the best definitions that, I, I, that I, I think we can find in the Bible of what sin is. Romans 1.25 says this, that they, ex we as human beings, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Sin is about disorder. When we worship the created rather than the creator, that's missing the mark. But the good news of God, the power of the gospel, is that God always gives us a way back. Even when we miss the mark. Even when we disorder our calling even when we've given in to worshiping created things rather than the creator, God always gives a way back when we turn to him, when we repent, as the book of Romans says, when we repent. And repenting simply means this, to surrender and trust God for new life and transformation through Jesus Christ. When we believe by faith that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have restored us to right relationship with God the Father, then this good news, this gospel begins to change every single area of our life back to the way that God designed it to be. Holistically, our outsides and our insides become new, become restored, our identity in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ as God intended it to be. God, through the power of the gospel, reorders the disorder. The disorder found in sin, God reorders it. The gospel is the power of God to save and restore all of creation. So when we commit to the gospel, we begin to see and experience the power of the gospel. Because that's what Romans 1.16 here says, that the gospel is the power of God. Well, what kind of power? 
the power, the gospel has actually um, threefold power. The gospel has saved us from the penalty of sin. So that means that God has restored our past then the gospel is also saving us from the power of sin here and now. That's how God reshapes our present. And then the gospel will save us from the presence of sin to come. That's how God secures our future. Friends, brothers, sisters, let's be clear about this. Our God is alive and the gospel is active. The word of God is living here and now. The gospel did not just happen some time ago, 2,000 years ago, but the gospel is happening now in our life with God, in our journey with God, in our discipleship. I have to be honest with you, when I first got saved, my understanding of the gospel was pretty narrow and pretty much focused on getting out of hell and where I would spend my afterlife. You know, I'm grateful that this past week, uh, my family and I got to take some time to rest and retreat up in a cabin in Shaver Lake. Uh, we had great hosts. The Joneses opened up their doors for us here at the church, and we're grateful for them. But it was just a wonderful time to be able to just be unplugged a bit. And one thing we got to do a lot with the kids was an opportunity to play board games. And I got to rediscover a game that I hadn't opened up in years, and that's the game Monopoly. And in Monopoly, I was never good at it, but in Monopoly, I always looked forward to getting this specific card, which was the get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, I have to be honest, I, when I thought about salvation and eternity and the point of salvation, I used to think about it a lot more like I did a board game. I thought about salvation as simply afterlife insurance, kind of like a get out of hell free card. And it's true. When I accepted Jesus. When you and I accept Jesus' death in our place of our own sins, we're forgiven and we will inherit eternal life with God. That is the beautiful promise of God, that our eternity is secure. Mine and so is yours. But I have to be honest with you, I, I thought very little about the reality that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, here's the truth. Jesus empowers me to say no to the power of sin and the pull of sin in my life now. So the gift of salvation is not just a get out of hell free card for the afterlife, but the gift of salvation begins now. Eternity begins now. You and I are free to be who we were created to be. Salvation is the power of God. It's a freedom from hell and freedom for purpose where everything will be restored to the way that God originally created it to be. The power of God through the gospel is holistic. It's complete from the inside out. It's a holistic transformation because the gospel is a past, present, and future reality. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel covers us in all directions. It covers our past, it covers our present, and it covers our future. God's got us. 
and he's all around us. So when you place your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ, he covers your past, he covers your present and your future. God's got you. You can trust in him. The book of Romans points to this, to this marvelous, amazing journey with God, this discipleship through the power of the gospel. And the gospel is a retelling of reality. It's a retelling of your reality and of my reality, of our reality, where we become restored and restoried. The gospel retells reality because through Jesus, God has done something that changes everything for humanity and for all of creation. God restores something precious that has been broken and he makes a new creation. Out of something broken, he makes something new. And in fact, that again is the beauty and the power of the gospel. That out of that brokenness, out of that pain, out of that suffering, God restores that and he retells your story. He retells the human story with a better story. He tells his story, a new kind of history. The gospel is God's retelling of reality. And I'm so grateful for that because the world, principalities, and its brokenness every single day and every single season is going to continuously try to convince you and I that this, what's right in front of us, all of that, this that's, that's around us, all the constant chaos, the division, the fear, the principalities of this world are going to try to convince you and I that this is all there is. power of the gospel is God's retelling of reality and the retelling of that better story of that bigger story of that eternal story it all begins with God's words to us that say do not be afraid do not fear this is not all that there is because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the power of the gospel, there is more. And thank God Almighty that there is more. So together, friends, brothers, sisters, may we actively make a disciple shift and discover once again the power of the gospel, the power of God that covers our past, that covers our present, and covers our future. God's got you. God's got us. And because of the power of the gospel, it's all going to be all right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise, God Almighty, that you are good, Lord. And we know that today some of us are in different spaces and different places, Lord God, and we're grateful that you continue to meet us, Lord, right where we're at and you take us where we need to be. 
And Lord, whether here in person or at home in the live stream, Lord, I know that some of us today will have the opportunity to take that next step toward you, Lord. To take that first step toward you, Jesus, or that next step in deeper discipleship this year in 2021. To go from just knowing about you to knowing you, Lord, in a way that is deep, intimate, and profound, God. To go further in these next stages of discipleship, Lord, from connecting to now growing and maturing. And I pray, Lord, in 2021 that you would grow and mature us, God. Grow and mature me as your disciple. Grow and mature us as your church, Lord God. And God, I just pray right now specifically for those taking their first step toward you this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that they would be able to, to pray this prayer wherever it is that they are, Lord. Wherever it is that you are, if you're listening to this this morning and you want to take that step toward Jesus today, he calls you to follow him. And you can do that this morning. You can pray this prayer of repentance, this prayer of belief. Right where you are, you can say, Lord, I confess that you are God and I am not. I need you to be gracious to me and to forgive me. I need you to heal my heart and to make me alive. Today, God, I give up on trusting in myself and I put my life fully in your hands. Today, I choose to follow Jesus, whether it's taking that first step or following Jesus in that next step. Today, I choose to follow Jesus, your son, who gave himself for my sin. Although I don't understand everything, I want to pursue you with my whole life. Thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for hearing my prayers. We thank the Lord. We thank you, God, for all those that have taken that step with you today. Either that first step or that next step. Lord God, we know that you call us your children created in your image. And we know, Lord, that sometimes we, we pay attention to just the principalities, to the pride, to the flesh that tells us this is all there is. And Lord, we've rejected or we've forgotten about the power of your gospel that reminds us that there is Lord, help us to step into our true calling this week and in this season as we commit to our discipleship with you, Lord. We get so easily caught up with fear and we conform to the patterns of society, Lord. Forgive us for that, merciful God. And help us today and in this season to take the journey from fear to faith. Set us free, O oh God, in Jesus Christ to be your image bearers, to be the people that we were created to be. You began the good work in us, Lord, and you will bring it to completion. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.